everyone. Welcome to Conscious Consumption. I'm Isabella Rosley, and today I'm going to help you guys just understand a little bit more about fast fashion. Like I explained in the last podcast, fast fashion is the mass production of low-quality apparel made from cheap fabrics that are often synthetic, and they're made at a very fast pace to keep up with new trends. And to achieve these low retail prices, companies source overseas from countries that underpay their factory workers. Fast fashion companies typically target 16 to 24-year-olds, and women are doing a lot more of the shopping than men are, frankly. So to reiterate why people are purchasing from fast fashion companies, it's due to the affordability, the convenience, and the trendiness of the clothes. The designs move really quickly from the catwalk to stores and a portion of them are sold and then discarded at a really fast rate. There were traditionally just four fashion seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter, and that kind of changed and there's some resort wear added in, pre-fall, and now with fast fashion companies, they're producing over 20 collections per year. And the fast fashion retailer Misguided releases close to 1,000 new products a month. And Fashion Over releases anywhere from 600 to 1,000 new pieces every week. While Shein adds thousands of new styles per day. And it's hard to really fathom how much clothes are being produced each year. And of course, a lot of these clothes are made by the major fast fashion brands. But even luxurious brands rely on producing a lot to profit the most so the term to describe this is micro seasons which are just shorter seasons that represent the trendiness I guess of that week and they've gained a lot of popularity and become so successful because of the keeping up with the Jones mentality that we have developed And with social media playing such an active role in our lives, it is easy for us to see someone we admire wearing something we think is cute and then we want it. And then with just two clicks, we can buy it and it'll be at our doorstep within a week. And during that week that we wait, new trends start and we are encouraged to purchase the latest products again that we see on our favorite sites. And it's so easy for us to justify these purchases because you can literally buy a shirt or a dress or whatever for only five dollars and it takes a while for things to add up so we just end up buying a lot and so many people are doing this that these major fast fashion companies are just insanely successful and i want to remind you guys that back in high school you know during my ap government class especially i would literally just scroll on these sites for the entire time and it was so entertaining and fun And I wanted to see all the new arrivals, so I get it. I understand that online shopping is addictive, and I think the only way we can stop or at least slow down is to just learn about the consequences. And I guess I did in more than just AP Gov. I actually dropped that class after a week because I literally, I didn't pay attention at all, so I went to RAG. (laughs) Anyways, um, it's like I was saying, it's really difficult to grasp the quantity of clothes that are produced annually and wasted. So to put things into perspective, according to Earth.org, 92 million tons of clothes end up in landfills each year, and this is expected to grow to 134 million tons by the end of the decade. 
So by 2030, the apparel industry's global emissions are expected to rise by 50%. And this is, of course, if companies continue producing the way that they are, which is why it's so important that we change our consumption habits so we don't keep driving more production. Another way to shed light onto how much damage the fashion industry is doing to the world is comparing the annual greenhouse gas emissions clothing is responsible for with all international flights. So clothing is responsible for about 8%, while international flights are responsible for only 2.5%. And I checked multiple reliable sources and still found a bit of a range, with some websites stating that fashion was responsible for up to 10%. And like I previously stated, these are expected to double by 2030. And that's from earthday.org. So this is why I'm starting the podcast, so we can all make a difference together. And even though a lot of systemic changes need to be made in terms of regulations, like I mentioned, we ultimately drive the overproduction of clothes because we demand them due to our overconsumption. And this is kind of an odd situation to talk about because our minds are pretty much manipulated into thinking that we want to buy more things. I've actually been thinking about going to the London College of Fashion to get my master's in fashion psychology because it's really fascinating learning about our thought processes when we make purchases, but I'll do a different podcast about that because it's a pretty lengthy topic. Anyways, as we reflect on the disposable aspect of these clothes, um, it's also important to note that only 12% of the materials we use to make clothes are recyclable globally. And a lot of this has to do with the materials used to make the clothes, of course, which for fast fashion is usually synthetic, which is plastic. Even when we see something that is labeled as recycled, it often takes an enormous amount of energy to recycle it. And a lot of companies, of course, don't really take any responsibility for their impacts. And many people are unaware of the issues with fast fashion companies until a big scandal breaks out and floods their social media pages. And even then, the news is so temporary that we forget it after just a week. And since so much of our social media is monitored and, you know, what we see is intentionally, like, for us to see, we don't really view a lot of scandals with fashion because they want us to keep buying And I guess the bottom line is that these companies don't care about our planet or the people on it, or especially the ones, the people that are making the clothes. And knowing this, it's almost hard to continue to support them, or at least I hope it is. I haven't really touched too much on the toxic waste side of fast fashion, because I also want to do a separate podcast on that. But I do want to mention that textiles used to be mostly natural, but now about 90% of textiles are dyed synthetically. So what does this mean? Well, it requires an enormous amount of water to dye textiles synthetically, and it uses loads of toxic, harmful chemicals. I think it's easy not to think about this because for most of us, it doesn't impact our lives at all, or really any of us probably. But in reality, we are literally cutting off people in third world countries' entire water supplies to the point where villages will have to have their water brought to them once a week and they have to limit their water intake so they don't run out because they can no longer source their water the way they used to. 
And on top of the water supply being limited to people directly in these areas, any life in the water is, of course, heavily impacted. You know, there's dead fish and creatures all over. Um, another way to view this, so the dyeing and finishing of just one ton of clothes requires about 200 tons of water, according to Good On You. And after this water is done being used to dye the garments, it just ends up back on the planet, which is how the waterways end up so, end up as basically toxic, you know, pools of soupy, hazardous, chemically, like metals, microfibers, and residual dyes just all pooled up in a thick, gross, you know, soup, I guess. Um, some major countries that are impacted by this are Bangladesh and China, and this is, of course, thanks to the lack of regulations and laws put into place surrounding this area. So, without getting too technical, uh, one of the common dyes that retailers use for synthetic fabric is called azo dyes, A-Z-O, which are carcinogenic and the EU and a couple other nations actually banned this dye, but even after these regulations were placed, of course, traces were still found in products. And there's a scandal a couple of years ago with a major fast fashion company called Pretty Little Thing, which is owned by Boohoo. And the scandal kind of revolved around, of course, the Kardashians, Nicki Minaj and Miley Cyrus, who were promoting these clothes and brands. Um, and it's interesting because these influencers play such a huge role in what we buy. And it's pretty crazy that they're promoting such toxic products. And of course, they don't even know what they're encouraging because it's all about money. So that's why it's our responsibility to learn about this on our own. Because we can't just trust the media, of course. I hope we all know that by now. <laughs> so to expand a bit more on Azodize there, they've actually been linked to birth defects and reproductive issues as well. They're really bright, so azo dyes are used to get bright colors, so they're really common in cosmetics and even food. And a small portion of the dye will break down and can then be absorbed into your skin. And it's kind of hard to find too much research linking it directly with cancer, but obviously it's harmful for humans and just not healthy. And a lot of fast fashion companies are using these because they're easy to access and extremely affordable, which of course goes hand in hand with fast fashion. Not to mention that these dyes also never biodegrade. And it's crazy to me because someone who is ordering a shirt from Urban Outfitters is just thinking like, you know, wow, this is so cute. Can't wait to wear it out. And obviously they're not considering, you know, who made the shirt or how it was made or what the consequences are. But those are things we need to start thinking about these companies are never going to be fully transparent, so it's up to us to do our own research and learn as much as we can. So I want to circle back to why people shop fast fashion in general. Well, I think it represents the instant gratification that has taken a hold on our society. Scrolling through pages of clothes and the anticipation of waiting for our clothes to come in the mail plays a huge role into why people continue to purchase from fast fashion brands. On top of that, the affordability is of course a key factor. Buying clothes for just a few dollars always seems like a good idea compared to buying something that's, you know, $60. And then of course we want to stay trendy. We're in an age of social media and we constantly see the latest trends being posted and when we see an influencer wearing something, we want it. They look good. We want to look good. 
they're posting all these hauls of, you know, their 10 new shirts that just came in the mail, and we like them, so we order them too. And, of course, the convenience factor also drives people to purchase from fast fashion companies. So thinking about all those reasons to shop them, you know, why is it worth it to stop shopping from the companies beyond all the reasons I just listed? Well, a lot of us don't actually realize that these clothes only have a lifespan of a few wears and then they are meant to be replaced. And it's kind of tricky to talk about this subject because a lot of people will have the response, well, I can't afford an expensive shirt from a sustainable brand. When in reality, the extra money you would spend on a product from a quote-unquote sustainable brand, I don't know what that is these days, but anyways, um, it would cost the same as replacing your fast fashion piece a few times. So essentially, instead of buying three cheap tops from Shein, you just buy one shirt from Patagonia that will last, you know, a decade or so. It'll just have a much longer lifespan than all of those three Shein shirts would. Now, I'm not saying everyone should be ordering from Patagonia. I'm just trying to explain the importance of buying quality clothes with the intention of wearing them for a long time. I also want you to realize that fast fashion literally can't last a long time because it wasn't made to. It's disposable, like I mentioned. And I think one of the easiest things we, we as consumers can do is just make our clothes last a long time instead of just continuing to replace them. So I guess the moral of fast fashion is that it is disposable, it is made from cheap synthetic synthetic fabrics, and the dyes that are used are very harmful for the environment and people. And in another podcast, I want to touch about how these hazardous dyes and chemicals impact the factory workers who are in direct contact with them, because that's something we also don't think about a lot. So before I close out this podcast, I want to share another story with you guys. Um, As some of you know, I'm doing an internship while living in Bangkok, and there are actually a lot of holidays, so I've been able to have quite a bit of time off to travel. The company I work for is very kind and understanding, which has helped too. At work, there's only probably two people that speak a decent amount of English, but I don't really see them because we're in different buildings. Anyways, um, last weekend, while I was out for lunch with someone I met in Laos, I was doing some journaling because we were just kind of hanging out at this cafe that overlooked the Mekong River and he asked me about my journaling and he claimed that he couldn't journal because he never knew what to say and I smiled and said you can just draw or you know do whatever you want. He kind of asked me what I write about and I shared how sometimes I write down things I'm manifesting and other times I make lists. I love planning so I also write down itineraries and you know other times I just write about my day Or if it's been a while since I journal, I'll kind of just write down about my week. And sometimes I'll be really vague, and other times I'm really detailed about just a five-minute encounter. just depends. I'm not very consistent with my journaling. I just do it whenever I feel like it. Anyways, he asked, if it isn't too personal, do you mind reading one of your entries? And I actually didn't mind at all. If I can inspire someone to start journaling or at least become interested in it, then I am all for it. So I ended up reading him quite a few, actually, because I really enjoy reflecting on my entries. And all the times, they aren't that personal and they're deep. Anyways, I wanted to share a journal entry from a few weeks ago. March 30th, focusing on simple life, not worrying about what others think, doing what I want to be my truest self. I think one of my favorite parts about my everyday work days, and every day really, are that they're never bad. 
even if nothing special happens, things always make my day. I feel warmth in my heart so easily. Yesterday, the man who took me to S Design, I guess some background is I take a bus to get to the bus stop that's closest to my work. And then from there, I basically just hop on a bike with a guy in an orange vest that takes me on an eight minute ride to my work. And then I pay him 25 baht. I say S Design and I have to say it as tight as I can or they won't know where to take me. Anyways, so yesterday the man who took me to S Design via motorbike spoke English and he gave me his number. And this is excellent because I can just call him to get me at 5 p.m. after work and getting to the bus stop five minutes earlier and making bus 179 so I don't have to take the MRTs. Even though it is hot, traffic sucks. Um, I'm still glad I finally caught it. I was glad I finally caught the bus. Maybe my second, third, or fourth time catching it since I've been here. Yesterday when Maria, my roommate here, and I were talking about our days, I explained nothing really good happened, but I enjoyed working. I worked more yesterday than I had the entire time <laughs> I've been here. Anyways, I mentioned how some days my coworkers don't talk too much, and other days they talk a lot, and yesterday they didn't. But since I met Was, the driver, the motorbike driver, um, today we got to talk. And that was really nice. And um, then I reflected on how today they talked, my coworkers talked and shared fruits and nuts with me. And even though not a lot of words were spoken, I still really appreciated it. And I tried on clothes for them, the design team. And then when I um, went to sit down, I realized my skirt was ripped, like right by my butt. <laughs> there were actually a couple of rips. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't notice. And this was really funny. And my coworker, who never talks to me, offered to sew the seams. And it was such a major improvement when she sewed it. And it was such a kind act. I appreciate her so much. I don't remember her name, though. I'm sure she understands, although I would like to know it. And I am trying to ask more questions throughout my time on Earth, so maybe I should ask her her name. Anyways, I booked my flight home, so I fly back May 17th at 1 a.m. to Chicago and land at 11.59 p.m. I'm so excited to visit my dad and Olivia and Grandma and Reggie, my dog, and all of my extended relatives. Even though I love journaling, I like the MRT more. Ridiculous traffic, lol. And the pollution versus an AC train just doesn't compare. I hope the air quality in Chiang Mai gets better soon. Um... So I guess reflecting on the journal entry, so basically I didn't talk much during the day, but it was okay because I met someone who speaks English, the bike, the biker who gave me his number. So now I can call him whenever, and whenever I talk to him, I'm on the back of the bike, we can speak English to each other, and that's so nice. And because I don't have to like kind of struggle to find a ride, after work to get to the bus station, I was able, I could just call him and make bus 179, which I always missed. But then I actually made it and realized I didn't like the bus, even though I did my journaling on the bus and I was glad to make the bus. I really prefer the MRT because it takes way less time and there's air conditioning. So that was kind of a funny experience. And then I guess I could share a little bit more. Okay, yeah, here's some affirmations, I suppose. Um, 
I am becoming slower to react. I am not taking things personally. I am feeling overwhelmed with gratitude. I am optimistic and positive. I am letting my emotions pass if they don't serve me. I am being patient. I am making the most of this experience. I am getting over things. I want to learn more. And then I drew an arrow and wrote podcasts. And then I just reflected on how it's crazy how fast time goes by. It's already, this is April 3rd. And, and then I wrote, I wanted to learn more about World War One, World War Two, and sustainability. <laughs> just quite the range. And then I also wrote about how, you know, it's okay to be angry and it is not the end of the world to express anger. And then how you know, you can just move on from it, which is kind of what I mentioned before. And then I also wrote about how you have to stand up for what you believe in. And then even if people don't believe in it, whatever, but they'll come around eventually because they'll respect you for standing up for what you believe in. And I think that's a cool thing to think about. And I also listened to a podcast that my sister sent me. And it was about this lady who was just talking about how she like the opposite between shame is pride so instead of feeling shame to something you can feel really proud of it instead and I thought that was kind of a thing to write down I guess in my journal um anyways thank you for listening to this podcast I hope you learned something new and I hope you tell someone about it thank you for the plays and downloads it's so fun checking my stats and seeing where my listeners are from Shout out the Chicago homies. You guys are certainly a big percentage. Um, Sending calming energy your way. Bye.